People think that there's time. That's it. People think that there's time. Who knows how much time we have? This is, there. you know, people think that there may be, whatever. This is the moment now. This is the moment to decide to be healthier. This is the moment to decide to listen better to your kids. This is the moment to do those things. Welcome to Wisdom, Wealth, and Wellness, a podcast on overcoming behavioral biases and blind spots. Sponsored by Satofsky Asset Management, and this is Jonathan Satofsky. So welcome. This is Jonathan Satofsky of Satofsky Asset Management. And on today's podcast of Seeking Wisdom, Wealth, and Wellness, I feel honored and blessed to be sitting with the CEO of the David Lynch Foundation, Bob Roth, who has been bringing uh, transcendental meditation to more than a million students in underserved, underserved schools, 35 countries, military vet, veterans who have suffered post-traumatic stress, and to women and children who are survivors of domestic violence. Students include celebrities from Tom Hanks, Oprah Winfrey, Hugh Jackman, Martin Scorsese, Katy Perry, Russell Brand, and many others that are uh, fortunate to have uh, crossed this path. What, what I found most interesting before we get into it, and, and this has been, uh, uh, I guess, a 11, 12-year journey for myself, is uh, post-college, I think, from Berkeley, when he was at Berkeley studying in 1969 at uh, that wonderful university, I think uh, similar to my University of Michigan. It was a similar school on the West Coast. He took a semester off and traveled to Spain and studied with the Maharishi for six months and became a yoga teacher, a TM teacher. Meditation, yeah. Meditation yeah. teacher, transcendental yeah. meditation. And he has a best-selling New York Times book from 2018, which I read recently, and I uh, have been sharing it with as many people as I can, called Strength in Stillness, The Power of Transcendental Meditation. So welcome, Bob. Thanks for uh, spending a little time with us. It's great to be with you, Jonathan, uh, a Michigander, University of Michigander. Well, they're, 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 the commonalities between Berkeley and Michigan is that they're uh, <laughs> perceived to be most, more liberal educations and open-minded to more progressive forms of study, which TM, it oddly, you know, uh, I guess, you know, to start, I, I talk about the, the search that people are making when they look on the internet for wisdom, wealth, and wellness. What I, when I stumbled upon Transcendental Meditation, I realized that people don't need to search externally. And this is, you know, for, for I guess what I would say is, to start us off, like boggles my mind every day when I meet someone that's struggling with an issue that people are still skeptical saying, I can't do this. I can't meditate. I can't. Why are people so skeptical? What, what do you think is, is, is in people's mind that they have an unwillingness to even embrace the, 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 the getting started with this? I think part of it is the misunderstanding that meditation uh, is difficult and you have to somehow clear your mind of thoughts and you have to have a still mind. And these days for a person to close their eyes and sit quietly for 30 seconds is like a feat to behold. Nobody does that. We're so outward looking, external. And then when you think of meditation, it's either the negative terminology, you know, thing, oh, it's a sect or it's strange or it's weird. Or, no, I think meditation is good. I've seen the data. Meditation or transcendental meditation is effective. I just don't think I can do it because my mind is so busy. And that's just a misunderstanding about meditation and about the nature of the mind. So I think that's it. And I think it's pretty deep-seated. People don't want to fail. I've taught a lot of people to meditate, and they start off by saying, you know, I, I don't fail at anything. I didn't fail when I, in sports. I didn't fail at college. I don't fail at anything. And I don't want to fail at this. And I said, well, with Transcendental Meditation, you won't. It's pretty darn simple. So, so when I, 
I, I was thinking of a conversation this morning uh, with a with a law school student, a friend of mine that uh, we we do some some studying together, and uh, he's uh, contemplating what career path to choose, and he's just like his mind is 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 just ruminating on all the different options in the world, and I think that's probably synonymous with mo- what most people are facing from news and media to the opinions of others, particularly kids coming out of school, the opinions of others, parents, teachers, society, of what path they should choose. So I wish that I learned this at 19 or 20 years old. You know, how do you get someone to start? What's the first step to to really get them triggered to say, you know what, suspend disbelief, 30 days, before you turn on your phone, when you wake up, 20 minutes, just sit. Well, it's an interesting thing, because I'm just just teaching uh, a guy, he's in his 70s right now, and he runs large entertainment firm, one of the biggest in the, in the world. And um, he's under a lot of pressure, a lot of anxiety. And I said, well, what's the main reason why you learned to meditate? And he said, I got to where I am because I listened to my inner voice. I got to where I am because I listened to my intuition. But now I've lost that ability. My mind is so noisy. My life is so under so much chaos and pressure that I'm lear- I want to learn TM. I'm learning TM because I want to reduce stress and I want to sleep better at night and I want to have more energy and I do have high blood pressure and TM does reduce high blood pressure. But the main reason is, the reason why I got to any very successful is I used to be able to listen to my inner voice. I I knew what was right and wrong. I knew what way to go. I knew what path to take because of my intuition. And I think to answer, now to answer your question, I think there just comes a point where a person has tried lots of different things. Okay, they... Okay, they they feel anxious, so they've used anti-anxiety medication. Well, that's fine, but that's not like my future. Or there's not any number of reasons. And then they hear about someone that they know who does TM, and they respect the person, and they say, okay, okay, I'm just going to give it a chance. And as you said, I'm going to give it 30 days. You can give it two weeks. But it takes about an hour a day over four consecutive days to learn this meditation. It's not taught out of a book. It's not a guided meditation somebody telling you how you should feel. You, you learn one-to-one from a certified teacher. It's the simplest thing you'll learn, but you need a teacher to do it. And then once people do it for like a week or two, they don't look back because it's so, the results, according, you know, first of all, we should say there's hundreds of published research studies on transcendental meditation. And this is not just woo-woo-ville. I, I am been teaching uh, TM for decades, and I'm not what you would think is sort of classic meditation teacher. I'm not into, I'm not into new age stuff. I'm not into woo-woo. I love science. I'm a skeptic. I love being down to earth. And you can be all those things, and you can be completely skeptical, and you can do it. And the data, as I said, is very compelling. This is actually a huge point because... Um you know, I help people with their, uh, what, what we call their uh, money mishigas. You know, everyone has different <laughs> kinds of stress like in life. That. You know, I, I like that. I, but the money uh, anxiety that people have or money traumas. Um, and I figured I would do it for two years and I would do something else. And in my own experience, I started by saying, I don't know. I don't have the answer, but why don't you see what you're doing and tell me what you want to do. And let's just figure out where the gaps exist and I can kind of help you see the blind spots and if I can add value, keep me around. But I ended up defaulting a lot to evidence-based work because I heard all these voices, everyone telling you what they should do. I had to tune all those things out to say, well, how could I rely on my own research, my own trial and error? You know, like Bruce Lee often says, like, 
why don't you learn, take the information and then incorporate it into what works into your natural rhythm, you know? And I, and I think the, uh, um, you can tell me more about the, the evidence-based research about why transcendental meditation is so much more beneficial than other forms of meditation where you're actually guided and, you're, and, you're, and your mind is listening to something else. I want to touch on that, but before I get to that, I'm thinking about the guy you referenced that, that's struggling, that's around a lot of people and a lot of influences, a lot of noise. Because I think we all, people that run organizations, we're all confronted by dealing with people. And if you're a meditator and you're quiet and you see something so clearly and other people around you aren't meditating and they're caught up in their own stories or dramas in their head, you can't always hear each other. So how do you influence? Two questions, I guess. One is, tell us a little bit about evidence-based research so that we can gently in a loving, carefrontational way encourage the people around us to try to embrace this for the betterment of the entire culture and community, rather than just it being selfish that I want you to do this for me. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with me helping enrich your own life, you know? It's a beautiful question. First of all, there's a wonderful term in psychology called an internal locus of control, which means, is my life self-referral? Am am I making my decisions based on my my access to my past experience, my gut feeling, my intuition, you know, what I was just saying? Or am I constantly just... uh, you know, frantically listening to everybody else and what should I do and how should I be. And the more successful people are people who are more self-referential. That You know, they have that called the internal locus of control. That means my center, who I am, is based on something inside as opposed to an external locus of control, which is just, that's nowhere. I mean, you're just, you're dead in the water on that one if you're going to base your all your existence on a million other people's opinions. Um, but to answer the question about uh, more and more companies now, uh, we work with more and more companies that are offering transcendental meditation as a wellness program or a personnel development program to all the employees. And it's one of many options, which I think is the way it should be. I think, you know, a company should, when I go in, I don't just say, this is it. There's a menu of choices. But the menu of choices, so it could be transcendental meditation, it could be a breathing exercise, it could be a different type of meditation. But the message is, there's 1,440 minutes in your day. If you're not able to take a few minutes out of 1,440 minutes to sort of take care of the brain, calm the amygdala, which is the reactivity center in the brain, calm the, the sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight, and strengthen the parasympathetic nervous system, which is that sort of rest and digest. If we can't prioritize some time for that, we're in real trouble. We're not going to make it 10 10 years going ahead. I mean, the levels of stress are acute, and both acute and chronic. They're intense, and they're over time. And there is no um, pharmaceutical magic bullet that says, oh, here, Jonathan, Bob, take this pill, and simultaneously... You're going to reduce stress, anxiety, depression, burnout, lower your blood pressure, improve cognitive functioning, improve problem solving. It's not there, but there's enough data now that shows that meditation properly understood and practiced can do all those things. And again, this is solid research. This isn't just sort of, you know, back of a or inside of a matchbook cover. Anybody have matchbooks anymore? But it's it's like real stuff for, for transcendental meditation. There's, you know, there you go. Here's million, a matchbook. You know, there you got, got, I got it. I still got one. Thirty million dollars from the National Institutes of Health 
and the Department of Defense, and we're working with Veterans Administration, and we're working with hospi VA hospitals, and we're working with, in New York City, we're in 80 hospitals in New York wow. City, and that's working with doctors and nurses and frontline healthcare workers who are on the real cutting edge of stress. So it's a new time, and I think, I think we go back to the beginning point. A lot of people aren't skeptical that meditation can work, they're skeptical that they could do it. And I would just say there's not one type of meditation. There are many types of meditation. And if you've tried something and it hasn't worked, look into TM or look into something else. But keep looking because the results are undeniable. So I, I, I thank you for you know, your continued pushing in, in all areas. Obviously, it's had a profound impact for, as you said, the hospital, the, the caregivers, particularly during COVID. I, I imagine it's been uh, tremendous. But um, the, the, the interesting thing is, I think part of this is my own experience. It's, it's the idea of, of helping people develop habits. You know, you know it's, it's partly expectations. You know, like if I'm investing someone's money, you know, it's like, you know, like as Buffett says, like, did it grow yet? Did it grow yet? Did it grow yet? Did it grow yet? Like, you got to give it time. Like, it's not going to just like turn into Jack and the Beanstalk in a day. You know, it's going to you're. You're thinking about this over a lifetime. So I remember hearing John Kabat-Zinn uh, say this very early when I started meditating. He said, you know what? For the first 10 years, when you start meditating, don't get involved in the PR of it. Don't talk about it at all because just sit on a mat when you want to talk about it and do it. And, and I didn't understand it at the time. And now I'm understanding it and I'm, I'm now talking about it, although I'm past 10 years, so maybe John won't be so upset with me. <laughs> but, uh, but it takes a long time to fully understand because you're like, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. Like, so um, that leads me to the question of like, how do you frame the expectations for people adopting the habit and expectations of the kind of changes that they should experience? And, or do you have a, like a, an experience that you've, ex you've had over the last 30 years of impacting someone in a surprising way, like a specific example that can be like, aha, like I'm going to, you know, that resonates for me, that, that I can attach myself to. Well, I always tell people, like, if I'm going to teach someone and they say, well, I'm going to learn to meditate and then, and then if I like it, I'm going to bring it to my company or I'm going to bring it to my school or my hospital. I say, forget about everybody else. You're learning for yourself. Just right. learn for yourself. Do it for yourself. Don't be thinking as you're going along, well, what is Mary Ann going to think about this? And then what is the, you know, the chair of the board going to think? And then what are my investors going to think? You'll never get past day one. Just quietly learn for yourself, do it for yourself, and then if there are benefits and those benefits are sustained over time, then talk about it. I, I don't know that I, I agree with John Kabat-Zinn on that you have to wait 10 years, and it may be that that's just the type of meditation that he's teaching, because there's data that just came out of uh, at Duke University on these frontline healthcare workers that showed within two weeks or a month, there was a reduction in blood pressure and there was a, a reduction in, in, uh, in burnout. And yeah. so, you know, there's different types of meditation that produce different results. But I think in principle, what he says is true. And that is just do it for yourself. Plant the seed, let the seed take roots, go deep, and then talk about it when you feel comfortable. But you don't have to be an evangelist about it. And, and have you found uh, impact in cultures? Like once... Uh, a, a, a business environment, whether it's in any industry, adopts it, that you've seen some transformative changes? Are there any, you know, stories or examples to highlight? Hospitals. Hospitals are the biggest, Hospitals yeah. already. I mean, you know, 
there's such burnout there. Yeah. They say that if they, a lot, doctors and nurses just quitting wholesale. They're just, they're not putting up with it. You know, okay, I'm going to get paid $250,000 as a doctor or $400,000. This is killing me. And, you know, and then insurance companies and everything to say nothing of, of just being, making life and death decisions multiple times a day in the, yeah. in the, in the ICU. And they say that if a doctor quits, it costs the hospital $500,000 to replace that doctor. And already in these, you know, 80 hospitals that we're in, we're, we're, the data that we're collecting is that people are not quitting. And the hospitals are now starting to give meditation rooms for the doctors and nurses to have a place. Because not enough to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to let you learn to meditate, but there's no time and place to do it. There has to be something from their side that they realize that the investment of time is worthwhile. And the kind of research we're doing now, Jonathan, is not, is this, is this reducing stress levels? It's how much money is the company saving or the hospital saving? What's the return on investment? And that becomes really important when we're now talking to insurance companies. If we want Medicare or Blue Cross Blue Shield or, or any of these insurers to, to reimburse for, for, for TM because it's as effective, if not more effective, for reducing, let's say, anxiety than anti-anxiety medication, then you need to show cost-benefit. And that's Oh, my fine. God. i got to imagine it's got to save the insurance companies you know, millions, millions, you know, millions and millions huge of Huge amounts of money. Huge amounts of money. So it changes the culture. When the, when the employee sees that the administration is setting aside meditation rooms, even setting aside time for them to learn to meditate, you know, and, and all of that, there's more of a collegial sense of we're all in this thing together. And uh, there, are, there are businesses like Bridgewater with Ray Dalio, who's been offering TM to his, his company for 15 years. And he pays for half and the employee pays for half. Lots of places the, the, the employee, the CEO pays for everything. But it changes. It changes. It, 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 not in this sort of uh, grandiose way, but in, in a more, it's more livable. It's more doable. It's more sustainable. I can go to work. I don't have to think of switching jobs because that other job is just going to be the same thing as this one was, you know, in, in less, unless there's this kind of change. And I think that's what they're seeing. A change in culture, a change in climate, a change in quality, and and I think, and I, you know, I, I have a perspective of fifty years. I th I think within five years, meditation is going to be part of the culture, the you know, in the enterprise model, in the businesses and, and schools, and because there's, there's sort of like, what else are you going to do? Give everybody Valium? You know, what are you going to do? It's interesting that you say that. I think about, you know, K through 12 education. Um, you know, I, I stumbled into my field because they don't teach financial literacy in K through 12. But there's a lot of things they don't teach in K through 12. And I think meditation is one of them. I do recall when I was uh, when I was a little tot, I think in kindergarten or 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 whatever, first grade, maybe, you know, boys have a natural energy, have all this, you know, pent up energy. So they have this Quiet time. They used to have quiet time where you basically would sit on a mat and you had to be quiet literally for 60 seconds. I mean, if you can get a, if you can get a kid in first grade to, to like just sit quiet with his own thoughts, not fidget, not touch the other kids. I mean, that, that was pretty cool. They didn't, obviously it's not progressively carried through, but it's, it, has there been interest adoption, uh, you know, by the, by the school? So, I mean, I would think that this should be part of a regular curriculum because you're trying to, you're trying to help you know, they're just testing metrics on, on IQ, but what about EQ? What about that self-awareness trait? You know, you can, 
teach someone a skill, but you can't teach someone how to control their emotions. And I think that that part of TM is, is I think, profoundly valuable. It certainly is to me and marginally pausing from like, go, 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 go. You know, I think you much, I think I heard you once say, you know, we're not human doers, we're human beings. And the yeah, being part yeah. is what you're supposed to. Completely lost, completely yeah. lost. No, uh, you, you see it all the time now. More and more schools are offering mindfulness and meditation and TM into the curriculum. They have to do it. I mean, again, even though some people may criticize it, we're in danger of losing an entire generation. I mean, children are unable to process the 24-7 social, you know, 24-7 social media pressures, bullying. You know, you, am I going to get into University of Michigan when they're trying to get into kindergarten? You know, the pressure to perform yeah. and perform and perform and helicopter parents and parents, helicopter parent, parents just concerned about their kids and wanting to give them the best opportunity. So our own experience with offering TM in the schools is that you see very real things. I mean, you see uh, grades go up, test scores improve, all these things that you'd hope to see. But for me, I think the thing that's most sustainable and the most promising is that, and I know this sounds strange, the kids report that they're happier, Jonathan, as if Amazing. that should be a priority. A prior, it's Amazing. a priority. Kids Amazing. should be happy at the age of seven or eight or 10. Or, or I was, you know, when I was a kid just running around and kids have lost that. Yeah, we used to play. I don't. I don't know where where the free. No, no one has. The kids don't have time for free playtime. They have so much homework to try to, you know, keep up and to get good grades. You're right. They they lost that free. I used to finish school and I would leave my books behind and you know be outside till the just sun run. went down and you I would just, just run, run around. Remember, yeah. you could just run. What happened to that? You can't do that anymore. Yeah, but young, young at heart. But you know, young kids don't have it, and it's very sad. And the shocking is. Um, the numbers, the percentage of people go, showing up in emergency rooms because of suicidality, suicide thoughts, ages 5 to 11 is the fastest growing number. 5 to 11. Who even heavy. thought about that at heavy, that age? Heavy, heavy. Very heavy. It, it, heavy. And the number two cause of death among teenagers is suicide. So Ugh. obviously we need to give these kids an outlet, a relief, a, a tool to reduce the stress. And again, with, with something like transcendental meditation and other approaches, I'm not experts on those, but with TM, your body gains a state of rest deeper than sleep in, in the first 10 minutes of the meditation. That reduces the buildup of cortisol, which is a stress hormone. If, you're, if you get a good night's sleep, cortisol levels drop 10%. 20 minutes of TM, cortisol levels drop 30 to 40%. Nothing else does that. Cortisol is a death hormone, for death chemical for kids. You're, you're striking on something. It, it made me think about kids only, their frame of reference is what they see and hear. So often what they see and hear is what their parents, how their parents show up. So if their parents aren't meditators and they're running around all stress, they're going to pick up that, that stress energy. So it's incumbent upon parents to adopt it also. But in my field, in the field of finance, you know, um, everyone's always scrambling around to find good investments. And I, I stumbled upon this also probably around the same time I was doing TM. It's actually not about finding good investments as much as it is creating good investors. And what I mean by that, if you've never heard this concept, in a 10-year period of time, I can throw a dart at the wall and pick almost any investment, whether it's the S&P 500 or you know, Google or Alibaba, it doesn't really matter. The probability that an investor is going to sit there for 10 years is close to zero 
because invariably during the 10-year period, 40% of the time at least, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be totally despondent. It's not going to perform. It's going to lose money, whatever it is. So the holding periods in society from when we were kids, you know, used to be 18 years. It shrunk to under a year. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so the, wow. the I, I say that the, this behavioral gap, which, uh, you know, was uh, taught to me uh, over a decade ago, was this concept that investors lose one to 6% a year. I won't say because of their stupidity. It's just their blindness. You know, it's, it's not, it's their emotions taking control somewhere during that 10 year period of time. That's a huge cost. You're talking about savings in the medical system. So I believe that meditation has helped me be a more patient investor for the benefit of my ecosystem that I'm fortunate to influence, but trying to, to encourage people to understand when their emotions get heightened frenetically in either direction, right? Uh, you know, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rich or I'm going to go broke, you know, and, and they just get seduced. And it's a societal global thing that ends up sucking people in. So to be detached I think that's one of the greatest things that I've gotten from TM. And I'd be interested to hear your experience on this. What happens? People lose that internal locus of control. They lose right. that inner calm, that that access to that inner equanimity. There's an ancient meditation uh, text. They, they say your intellect, your, your mind, your intellect should be like a candle in a windless place. In a, a candle flame in a windless place. In other words, it's not getting buffeted by this information and that information, it's like you're just resolute. And it's not blinded to things, but you just, you take in the information, you're calm, you're clear, you're resolute, you make the right decision. If it's time to make another decision, it's not based on noise and excitation. It's based on your internal, you know, sense of the information you've gathered, your own life experience, your own intuition. And you have to, you know, that difference between saying, Oh, that guy's boiling over with rage. He's a hothead or cooler minds will prevail. Who do you want to go with? The kid, the guy's boiling over with rage or cooler minds will cool, calm and collected. So meditation is just that. It's common sense. It is common sense. And that's why the future, I feel, of business is meditation. So thank you. You've been generous with your time. And I don't want to I don't want to overstay my welcome because I hope to have an opportunity to speak to you further in the future. Um, uh, Last, last, finishing up on clothing, how, how do people find you? How do people learn about TM? How do people get involved with your organization, what you're doing, where, what website, social media, you know, how do people, how do people get, you know, take step, first step here? I think you can go to tm.org, tm.org. And I believe there's, there's teachers, right? And every, you know, anywhere in the world where you are. That's right. You can pull down a drop down window and you can find out where the local center is. And I'm also going to give you my email address. And it is my email address, real email address. And you can email me if you have a question. And uh, because Jonathan's such a good guy, I, and, uh, um, it just go to bob at davidlynchfoundation.org, L-Y-N-C-H, bob at davidlynchfoundation.org. And if you have a question, email me. Otherwise, go to tm.org and you can find out where there's a, a TM center near you. It's a nonprofit educational organization and the proceeds go to pay the teachers and then a percentage of the proceeds go to be able to teach veterans and first responders to meditate for free. So it's just a win-win situation. This has been uh, a tremendous honor for me to get a couple minutes with you. And uh, I know it's had a, it's, it's, I don't, I, I, I don't think I'm a master at TM, but I've, I, I think that it's, Help me be marginally 
you know, whatever, 10% happier. <laughs> I think I think it's great, Jonathan. You're a very open and you listen well and you have a good you have a good intuition. You have a good inner sense of yourself. And so I'm sure the meditation has only helped to foster that. I think there's something about turning 50 that you start understanding things. You know, when you, you at 18, you think you know everything. At 50, you start really, oh, wow, now I understand what they told me yeah. 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's in slow motion. Finally, the mind is opening up to absorb that information to let it flow. That was in my rearview mirror a long time ago, but I do remember that aha moment. <laughs> like, wow, that's amazing. I can't believe how smart they were. That was really a genius idea. I just, I couldn't quite grasp what they were talking about at that point. Uh, I'll leave you with one last, another just kind of funny aside. I just, uh, I've been traveling a lot and I recently traveled to uh, Japan and I heard this concept called Ikigo Ichi. Ikig yeah, Ikigo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like this moment is the only time this moment is ever going to happen. I could speak to you many other times, but we'll never have the opportunity to be in this moment. So it's sort of a, it flows from TM of like, once you get your mind quiet, I now am seeing, you know, the, 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 the blooming of the, of the flowers and the trees, you start to notice things that you wouldn't have noticed before. So I would encourage anyone who's listening or who's tried TM or not. I, I, I highly recommend everyone goes to TM.org. It will make you a better, more self-aware, better person, uh, more conscious, more mindful of those more around your, you. And more yourself, just more yeah. yourself. Yeah. Not, not, yeah. not the stressed self, not the anxious self, not the distraught self or the hypermanic self, just yourself. And you can unlearn all the things that everyone else is, have it, thinks you are and you could just be you. Yeah, I like that. And that beautiful quote, I just add one thing if it's okay, and that is, and now is the only time you can make, you can make a change. You can't make a change, to, you know, tomorrow doesn't exist, yesterday this is what they all say, you know, yesterday is gone, tomorrow, you can't make a, de a decision tomorrow, now, now is where you can be happy, now is where you can make the decision, it's now, so this is the, this is the time. Uh, I, I went to a Search Inside Yourself uh, session at uh, Omega Institute a number ah. of years back, and it, toward the end, after like, you know, really cool uh, concept that uh, Chad Menten, who you may know, uh, you know, was teaching, this is an uh, early engineer at Google, he, uh, he, they said, okay, so now you visualize like, you know, who are your influences living and dead? You know, like, okay, now who, if you were to visualize yourself five years from now, what do you see? What, you know, what do you, what do you see unfolding? And I raised my hand. There's like 50 people there. I said, well, I'm a little confused about this question. I said, I thought meditation and mindfulness is to be enthusiastically engaged in this moment. Beautiful non-judgmentally as if my beautiful, life depended on it. Beautiful, beautiful. I thought it's about being now. If you're telling me to think about where I want to be, that's assuming like I'm miserable and I, oh, I hate where I am now. I got to get there to be happy. What about being right here? You're, you're all that's being taught about meditation and mindfulness is being right here and thinking about there is creating anxiety for me about worrying about where I need to be in five years to be someone that you would be happy to hang out with, you know? And they all laughed and they didn't have a response, but I No, I it's a that. beautiful answer. It's an excellent <laughs> answer. This is, this is the moment. There's another quote that said from Buddha, that he, he said, people think that there's time. That's it. People think that there's time. Who knows how much time we have? This yeah. is there, you know, people think that there may be, whatever. This is the moment now. This is the moment to decide to be healthier. This is the moment to decide to listen better to your kids. This is the moment to do those things. The other thought that I think is really interesting is that TM is uh, an important element for 
taking on change in a graceful way. And everyone is dealing with change. The speed, the rapidity of speed, whether it's politics, whether it's, you know, um, artificial intelligence, whether it's war, you know, whether it's uh, job changes, you know, I remember when I was in school, this is kind of a crazy concept. I was graduating and someone said, you realize that the jobs you're being trained today in your freshman year of college are not going to exist in four years by the time you graduate. So the pace of training and retraining and relearning and, and toggling and readjusting your career or your vision of what you're supposed to be doing requires an inner intuition, an inner sense of flowing with the river. And I think that TM for me, and I, I, I got to, and I, I'm again, I'm grateful to, for, to expose anyone that's willing to listen to this. TM is such a gift that you're giving to culture and society, uh, to each person to embrace, uh, their future and whether they're starting at 70 or seven, you know, the next 25 years can be, you know, the compounded impact of this exercise can transform your life and the ecosystem around you, the friends, family, community, culture. It's, it's, it's a, it's a gift that you're doing. So thank you. You said it best right there. Thank you very much for having me on. Look forward to our next time getting together or chatting, Jonathan. You're great. Thank Thanks, you. Bob. Okay. Right, take care. Bye.